Welcome to Conversations. And now, from Los Angeles, here's your host, Mike Dowler. Thank you, Sean. And welcome from Los Angeles. I'm Mike Geller, and this is Conversations. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And, of course, on Twitter, it's at Converse Radio, like the shoe without the E, at Converse Radio. And on Facebook, we are basically Conversations, the podcast. This is the last show of 2017, and I am uh, thrilled about tonight's guest. I want to go ahead and thank our guest from two weeks ago, Saxon Charbino. Uh, you've seen her on Freakish as well as American Vandal. And our co-host was Six Orange on that. A great show. That podcast and other podcasts are on our webpage. So you can go to conversationspod.wixsite.com slash conversations. Bonnie Gordon. is Bonnie Gordon has been on before. She is known as uh, well, a number of things. An outstanding oh, dear. My an, reputation. <laughs> an outstanding voiceover artist. And as well, you may have saw her on ABC several years back on a show called The Quest as Paladin Bonnie. Mm-hmm. I want to bring back, of course, uh, as a co-host, and she's been a guest tons of times, maybe just twice. I, don't know. I was about to say, <laughs> not really, but yeah. sure, I'll take it. Uh, Bonnie Gordon. <laughs> Bonnie, how are you? Uh, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. I'm excited for our guest this evening, and uh, I don't know if you saw Mike, because I know you were setting up everything, but we just released a new music video today, uh, a Star Wars music video, so check that out when you're done with the podcast. Wow. I will. Definitely. And, pretty and you, exciting. And you're on your own little miniseries as well. The whole Star oh, Trek. Oh, on uh, Geek and Sundry. Yes. yes, yes the so. Star Trek show. Yes, yes. yes. So. We're on a on Shield of... It's called Shield of Tomorrow. It's a Star Trek RPG show on Geek and Sundry. You can find that on Geek and Sundry. Project Alpha. It's, it's streaming on Twitch. It's a delight. It, it's, it is. It uh, really is. We're all, we're all sci-fi fans here, which is, again, why I'm excited for our next guest. You to the extreme, though. And then, of course, the library bards. Oh. Library bards set up to make fun of everything. So. Well, we, it's never it's never making fun of. Uh, oh, if no. anyone listening out there has no idea what I'm talking about, Library Bards is my nerd parody band. So we do songs about Star Wars, Star Trek, and a bunch of other different fandoms. But it's never to make fun well, I mean, of them. It's, it's to celebrate the fandoms. But, but it is Filk, so to speak. So there's there's some parody involved there. Obviously, oh, yeah. So, but then I digress. Great show tonight. And, of course, uh, Bonnie Gordon... Um, you can find her online. She's on Twitter. She's omnipresent. Tonight's show, wow. You know, I'm a total Star Wars, Star Trek geek, Galaxy Quest as well. Um, mm-hmm. Huge Seth MacFarlane fan too. So when I heard that he created a show called Yorville and that Fox picked it up, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Basically, you had me on the first show. Millions of viewers, that first show just did incredibly well and mm-hmm. s- still does. The show really has, it's got a, a good storylines, great effects, great cast. No uh, robots were harmed in the making of this show. Our guest tonight is going to be Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson is an actor. He's a voiceover artist, schooled in Britain, but also grew up some years in Borneo. Um, he's done a lot of stage work and uh, really, you know, worked hard to learn the craft and honed it and uh, somehow fell into this wonderful show as Science Officer Isaac. I want to say hello to, from Los Angeles, Mark Jackson. Mark. Good evening. How are you? Doing well. And, uh, Thanks you, for having me on the show. This well, is great. I'm glad I finally worked it out. We, a couple weeks ago, you were under the weather. And, of course, you are... Oh, my God. I was so ill. You wouldn't have wanted to talk to me then. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. I think that would have been kind of fun. Really? <laughs> I, I, like, it's almost as if Isaac had some kind of uh, virus or <laughs> computer virus. Well, yeah, it was. It was like the, uh, what was that, 2K virus that nearly... Oh, the yeah, Y2K. Oh, God. Yeah, the Y2K that never happened. <laughs> right. Well, it felt like it did happen to me. Mm, uh, I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> Man and, flu, probably, but, you know. No. And you know <laughs> Man flu. <laughs> You do voiceover work as well, so obviously your voice is like everything. So when they tell you vocal rest, you have to really... Oh, it's mandatory. Yeah. It's mandatory. Oh, that sounds like I'm really important. Like someone, like my doctor intervened and said, no, you can't do the podcast. <laughs> well, um, I, I mean, like when... I think that did happen, but it, it didn't. Well, when, when, you're, when, you, when you're a voiceover actor as well as like a vocalist, when your voice is hurting or, you know, impaired, that's... 
that's the bread and butter. And I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, it's like, right. oh man, it's terrifying when when I get sick and my voice is the first thing to go. I'm just like, oh man. Yeah, I no, I understand. I feel like Samson with all his hair cut off. You know, you, you <laughs> yes, feel, yes, exactly. You feel like powerless, don't you, when your voice goes? Um, yeah, because I think I think ninety nine percent of the workforce just go to work when they lose their voice. Yeah, um, right. Which you would do. I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, if you're going to sort of go through spreadsheets or I don't know, um, there's so many things you can do without a voice. Um, <laughs> That's true. But we are we. It's it's pretty much all we have. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless you get to do rubbery face work as well, or like I don't know, yeah. get that body. Unless out you're, there, but... yeah, unless you're a mime on the side, then unless yeah, you're a mime, mime. Or like, maybe yeah. like a foot model or something. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> that's well, my I... that's my side gig, obviously. Well, I... <laughs> are, are, you, are you a foot model? No, uh, no. I, I I was once told at a party uh, that I had nice feet, uh, so I considered it briefly mm. um but rather embarrassingly forgot that i had a tattoo on my foot and oh. of course that was completely out of the question if you're going to be a foot model yeah, yeah. No. once um, you oh now we're curious what's the tattoo oh well i'd have to kill you if i told oh, you oh no yeah. <laughs> but the embarrassing thing was now like now because that was a few years ago i suppose now like with all the hipster tattoos and all that kind of stuff i guess uh maybe a foot without a tattoo would be like quite good i don't know maybe that'd yeah. go down well quite well you know yeah yeah Sure. I might try it again. Yeah, this conversation went completely a different route. This, yeah, we, we, we've gone from, well, yeah, there's a lot to go over here. But I want to start, again, you, you've landed a fantastic role on the Orville, but I want to go back just a bit. You, you're you from England. I am. And you ended up in Borneo. Tell me about that. That's just amazing. Yeah, I had a um, I had a great childhood. I moved around quite a lot, but like not in a bad way. You know, when you hear people mm-hmm. say oh we moved around a lot you kind of think it was quite troublesome for them but no it was great for us um my dad worked for uh, for shell the oil company um make of that what you will uh, okay let's not go into that but no, no, no. it meant that every sort of four years or so we we moved to a different country um so i was born in holland actually oh um, even though my parents are both very british um but yeah, we moved, I was born in Holland and stayed there for a couple of years before we moved to Borneo um, and stayed there for a good eight years. So I had my sort of my kind of formative childhood years in Borneo sure. I left when I was 10. And uh, it was great. You know, that sort of I remember everything being very sun drenched and kind of mm. green and, um, you know, the the. The Malaysian people were really friendly and um, just it was just a lovely place to to spend those early years. Now, let, um, let me ask you this real quick. Any run-ins with binturongs? With what? Binturongs. Binturongs? Yes. I don't know what that is. It's a Malaysian, I don't know either. It's a Malaysian bear cat. They're all over, all over Borneo. Oh, oh right. No, I guess I'd have remembered that. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Like, is that like the Louisiana equivalent to like a Nutri-Rat? Because that's what no. <laughs> Where like you're saying some kind of animal that well, most people just look at no, like I, I'm crazy. I, like that's not a real thing. It's like a bear cat basically. I did. Bear cat. I think you said bear rat. No, bear cat. No, I said nutrat. <laughs> those, you know, right. those those are like bear cats. I mean, they're vicious. They're vicious little. And I asked you that because I did wildlife programs for you know a few years back in the '90s, and Borneo's got a, a phenomenal ecosystem and some yeah. really very very interesting species. Um, many who are obviously in danger. Do you have any memories as far as you know any wildlife or? or... Yeah, yeah, I do. We had we had toucans. Uh, no, sorry, not toucans. Um, hornbills, king mm. uh, king hornbills nesting in the garden, which was quite normal <laughs> for me at the time. But now I look back on it, it's, it's quite spectacular. I mean, they're they're huge birds, and they have these fantastic orange and yellow flamed sort of um, bills, ridges on the top of their bills, um, and they're they're huge. And, the, you know, they were incredible to see, sort of swooping in to feed their young. And what they do is they make a big hole in the uh, the tree. And then the, I think it's the female gets inside with the chick, lays the chick, and lays the egg. And lays the egg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> lays the chick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. They sort of close up the hole. So there's like a tiny little slit through which the male feeds her. Huh. Um, and she just sits in there for months. It's... um. Amazing, really. That's, so we that's, watched that happen. It was great. That's incredible. And then you eventually you left Borneo. And I also you, remember. Um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
we were there when Mount Pinatubo erupted oh, in, yeah. um, I don't know where that was. I think it was the, perhaps the Philippines. Yes. Oh, it's yeah. It's quite, it was, so this was 80s. And uh, I remember sort of waking up in the morning to go to school and walking out the front door and there'd been this layer of ash. Well, we had that in the 80s, too. We had, we had Mount St. Helens that erupted uh, in the early 80s. Half the volcano caved in. So that's kind of like our, yeah. our local Mount Pinatubo here in the States. Where I'm from, we don't have volcanoes, but we did have hurricanes. And I've I've had my fair share of those. Really? Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. After I mean, Katrina, I, after Hurricane Katrina, that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to move away. <laughs> it's time for me to go. I'm going to make, make a nice exit. So Yeah. yeah. My, my parents actually moved to... Uh, New Orleans just after Katrina. Did they? Really? Did they now? It's yeah. it's a beautiful city. I love going back uh, and visiting. Oh my, oh, my whole my whole family's still down there, so I'm I'm there quite often. And the it's the best food and the best music you'll ever have. Oh, yeah. it really is. There's something yeah. special about that place. And, it is. And beignets. So don't forget the beignets. Oh, beignets. <laughs> yeah. Although I found I found beignets on the uh, at the uh the, what's the the, the Grove. Farmers market sure. here in LA. No way! Yeah. All right, yeah, I'm, I'm taking a trip to the Grove. Uh, well, let's just, just stop this podcast that. and go on a beignet. We should write. <laughs> Who's in? Who's in? That sounds great. I'm in. Talking of um, being in Malaysia, there is, um, and I always go there when I go to the Grove. Now, there's a Malaysian cafe on the far side, mm. and they serve the most incredible beef rendang. Wow! So, what is beef yeah. rendang? What is that? Beef rendang is like it's like a it's like a beef curry, but it's slowly cooked it's really slowly cooked the meat is just it's a bit like um brisket i guess okay but with spices and coconut milk and oh it's just it's incredible i love and they uh i love curry they serve it with these amazing pickles which i think is like probably the best thing it's all about the pickles yeah the, All um, right, so we'll go there first and then have beignets for dessert. See, I'm planning our whole day, guys. This is going to be exactly great. what I did when I went there. <laughs> planning this all out here. I like this. Um, yeah. yeah. Wow, curry. That's just, that's amazing stuff. I've, I've never met an Indian restaurant I didn't like, that's for sure. And plenty of Yeah, I'm a big fan of curries. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm British, so we have, it, we have curry houses everywhere. Um, so it's, it's quite strange coming here and, and it not being the case. Like... The amount of Mexican restaurants you have, we have Indian restaurants. Sure. Um, so it's quite it's quite strange. Not I, I hear there's a great place somewhere in LA uh, that one of my sound guys on Orville told me about, but um, I haven't ventured there yet. Well, there's this misconception that English food is is bland. You know. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm a big tea drinker, so I feel like I feel like I would I would get along well <laughs> over my, there. Well, English food is um, English food is what English is. English, you know, the, this this tiny little island. It's polite. Yeah. Well, it's polite, and it also <laughs> went and conquered and raped the planet. Oh, which is right. Why it brought back things like tea, and it brought back um, with, through the Commonwealth all these um, wonderful Indian restaurants. And mm. I think there's a great there's a great book by Melvin Bragg called um, the uh, the. I think it's called English. It's about the English language, and it treats the English language as a character, as like a hero, and it follows its history as it goes around the world, sort of like conquering and all this kind of stuff. And and, and what it does is English as a language absorbs other languages. Yeah. It's the way that it conquered the world. Um, like umbrella is an Indian word, for example. So it's like... It's the same with our food. I think we sort of mopped it up from everywhere. I mean, fish and chips comes from the Italian immigrants who came over and fried fish and served it with fried potatoes as well. And, yeah. um, you know, so like it's, it's a real smorgasbord. Sure. But without being an actual smorgasbord, which is obviously Swedish, I guess. My father-in-law is from, um, is from Britain. So many, many a bubble and squeak and steak and kidney pies that we share. Oh, great. Good stuff. I've never had a steak and kidney pie. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Good stuff. The kidney slightly scares me. But you made it back out to, uh, you went back to school in in Britain, correct? In California? <laughs> yeah, for four years um, I was there. And then and then after that went back to uh, Holland for the last four years of my, um, my school, my high school, I guess, before coming back to the UK for university. So it was kind of like booming around 
yeah. booming around, yeah, around the uh, around Europe. So yeah, it was um, it was an interesting time in in England. It was a uh, four years in uh, what we call public school, but I believe you call private school because um, I don't know why we call it public school. There's probably some fairly obtuse reason, but um, and it was single sex, and it was just really awful. I don't know if you know anyone who's been to a single sex private school, but it's no. um. It's kind of what the, uh, as you know, going back to the empire, all these sort of public school boys came from, and they all sort of leave high school having never talked to a girl, and then go and work in the foreign office, and you know, are bastards around the planet. But um, <laughs> it's 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 basically that, and I was really pleased at the age of fourteen to leave it and escape to a brilliant co-ed school um, in Holland. You know, I mean, there were some nice moments, but generally it was really unpleasant. And uh, I wouldn't encourage any <laughs> any parent to send their children to uh, to a school like that. I mean, you know, they're meant to be very good, but was, they're just like really was bad. It, was it at that point you decided you want to get into uh, into into acting and the, and, and the arts? Um, at that point, I I got into it. I didn't know I wanted to do it. I was just sort of kind of flirting with it a bit. I remember. Um, there was a production of Oliver when I was 13. And uh, I think I'd done a bit before at school of like singing and stuff, you know, and and I thought, oh, great, you know, I'll, I'll audition for this and and see what happens. And I, I remember going in for the audition and the uh, the music teacher taking me through my paces on the piano and doing the scales and stuff. And he sort of turned to me afterwards and went, uh, well, your, uh, your voice is breaking. Can't cast you as Oliver, so you're going to have to be one of the boys. <laughs> And I was mortified, absolutely mortified. Um, but and, and sure enough, actually, during the production, my voice did break. So I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think I sounded very nice for that show. And they probably saved themselves a lot of trouble by uh, not casting me as Oliver. You went to a very prestigious school in college. A that, drama uh, school? Yeah. That, uh, yes. Some big names came out of there, uh, as well as yourself. <laughs> I don't think I'm a name yet, really. Um, that's very nice of you to say. But um, yes, there's definitely some huge uh, creatures and characters to come out of there. Um, Patrick Stewart actually went there. Um, Gene Wilder went to... Uh, this is the Bristol Old Vic Theatre School I'm talking sure. about now. Um, and uh, yeah, Gene Wilder went there and was kicked out brilliantly. Really? Um, before he finished his training... And I had teachers who taught him, and they wouldn't tell us why, which was really annoying. Um, we all wanted that sort of juicy, uh, juicy detail, but they weren't willing to give it to us. Um, but yeah, no, really, uh, it was a great school um, in Bristol. It was out, which is Bristol's in the sort of west of the country, um, across the country from London, which is on the sort of east side, whereas Bristol's on the west side. Uh, very close to the border with Wales. In this ideal countryside, we have these rolling green hills outside of the school called the Downs, um, which we'd often go in, out and do yoga on and exercises and run around pretending to be Puck and stupid things <laughs> like that, um, which was very good fun. Um, really idyllic, actually. Uh, so we had a great three years there. Uh, before that, I went to university in Norwich, Yes. which is very much on the east side of the country, in East Anglia. Um, it was once the capital of the um, the whole country back in the, in the Middle Ages, and has a magnificent cathedral. Um, and that's where I did my university training. I did English uh, literature while I was there, which was great. Um, and I, I shared a, a house full of creative writers, so um, that was an experience in itself. Um but they were all wonderful. And one of them is a poet now who travels the world wow. and writes books about... He's writing a book about at the moment about the great winds of the earth. Like the, the very famous winds of the earth. Um, okay. Which is quite incredible, really. I mean, what a man. What a great guy. That is incredible. Again, you look back on that now, and it seems like just like, like ages ago, but you realize how important education... And learning the craft, how it all comes into play. Well, I think so. I think, you know, I, I, 
I, I remember going to drama school and like thinking about acting and what acting actually is. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think you can teach someone how to act, um, but you can teach them technique um, to bring out whatever they've got to say. You can teach t- someone to be able to communicate better. Um, and uh, I think, you know, the, the British training is very much about theatre and about being able to get up on a stage and be heard by a thousand people eight times a week and not only to get your voice across and what you're saying, but also, you know, the emotional journey of the character. And and I think, you know, that's that is a hard thing to do, yeah. um, which is why it takes three years of drama school to really do that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting being in L.A. now, which is very much a TV and film town predominantly. Sure. Although I was talking to Bonnie about this. We were saying, actually, L.A. seems to have more theatre going on in it than New York, which is quite an astonishing uh, fact, really. But um, as Bonnie pointed out, it seems to be more quantity over quality. Right. But, you know, I'm I'm just excited that all the theatre's going on. I think that's the first challenge. You know, you need to be just doing stuff, getting stuff on stages, getting people in watching it. And um, it's a live experience, which you just cannot get with TV and film, you know. And again, education is such a big, important part of of the whole process. Because you can't just get up one morning, Mark, and decide, I'm going to be an actor. I mean, there's some sort of a process there. I think some people try. uh... Uh, I think I might have done that one. (laughs) (laughs) I think I might have skipped a few steps. (laughs) I think there there definitely would have been a time in the past where I'd have thought that anyone who attempted that would have been a fool and... uh, would deserve all the derision we could throw at them. But right. actually, I don't know. I mean, you know, if if you've got, if you understand it, if you if you sort of like get it, if you get what acting is and what it requires and the discipline it requires. I was yeah. just saying a lot of people don't realize the work that you have to put into it. Right. It's, and it's, yeah. the, the work you put into it, there's, there's the, the behavior that is expected of you. Mm-hmm. the um the attention that is expected of you mm-hmm. and um obviously you know the respect for your fellow uh practitioners and sure. people on set with you or on stage or in rehearsal room or whatever mm-hmm. um and i think when i see actors who don't sort of give it all that and then i learn that they didn't do training then i'm like oh okay well, oh that's why exactly yeah i kind of think mm-hmm. yeah maybe maybe that's why um Maybe they're just dicks. I don't know. But yeah, well, uh, <laughs> that's that's but, that's you. That's true. Yeah. But I think if you have done training and you don't do any of that, then you have no excuse. Well, in this is in this town, especially, you know, people come out here just expecting it to happen overnight. You know, oh, I'm gonna have my big break and become a big Hollywood movie star, and they don't realize so much work goes into it, and and how much, you know, just you know, training and, and networking and workshopping and everything just, it takes its toll on you and you have to put a lot in. You gotta have, you have to love it. You can't do it for the fame and the fortune. You, you have to love what you do. You do. Yeah. yeah. But I always think, um, I don't know, from my own experience, like, I mean, I never had it like easy from the start. I know like right. some people do, but they are in such a small minority. Um, but I always, you know, I always thought that, surviving acting is surviving not acting like right the the periods when you're not doing it are probably going to be more often than those when you are Mm -hmm. um and if you can figure out a way of being happy in those times then you've nailed it Mm -hmm. um because that means when you get the work you'll be like yeah this is even better than being happy um because it's the times when you're not acting that are, are, are really tough because you're not exactly qualified to do anything else. <laughs> right. <laughs> paper, anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, funny story, actually. I work at the Magic Castle, and uh, I do. Yeah, if you ever want to go. Uh, but I work at the Magic I Castle. Do go. Okay, then. It's, it's magic. Um, <laughs> but when I first was working there, when I, I, I've been there for over nine years now. When I first started, I started at a job, you know, that was very, like, at the bottom, you know, when you first come in, like, okay, 
not at the bottom, but you know what I mean. Like it was going to be my first real job. Everything else like I've, I've done. No, no, exactly. But no, just, the top it was actually working the front desk, which is which is great. But yeah. I've never had a real job before. All my jobs were in entertainment or you know working in theme parks, performing or uh, nice. singing in bands. So I had so when they said for my interview to bring in a professional resume, I panicked and brought them a blank <laughs> piece of paper. The guy interviewing me thought that was so ballsy that I would instead of that's, you know that's fabricating a lie, I told I brought in my theatrical resume and I was like, "Here's my theatrical resume. Here's my professional resume. You can read whichever one interests you." And the and the professional one was blank. It just had my name on the top, and uh, he thought that was pretty ballsy and <laughs> hired like me right then and there. Or, I don't know, oh yes. Amazing. Yes, uh, I forgot to tell you, I'm also Emma Stone. So you are, you are Emma Stone. Okay. <laughs> In your dreams. In your dreams. She's a red hey now. Uh, yeah, I could do ADR for her. Her voice is her voice is, and I have. Uh, exactly. You sound voice. very similar, actually. Now you say it. Yeah, and Jennifer Lawrence too. I need to get into ADR for those two girls. I need to just ride the coattails of their careers, you know. Exactly. <laughs> there are so many careers to ride the coattails. <laughs> you mentioned you um, mentioned stage work, and you've done you did War Horse. Which is yeah, that was the last thing I did before. Man, oh wow, that is yeah. huge. Just the just the prep for that has got to be. Yeah, it's a great show. I um, I mean, it's a, it's a cast of forty, which for a that's a crazy is is pretty massive. That is massive. Um, yeah, I mean, so I had it easy, definitely, because I got to ride the horses. Nice. <laughs> and when I say the horses, I mean. You know, giant puppets with three men in each horse. Um, so the puppeteers are obviously the star of the show. They are. Sure. Um, for anyone who's ever seen War Horse, um, or who hasn't seen War Horse, uh, more importantly, uh, it's set in the First World War. It's about um, British troops going out to France to fight the Germans. Um, mm -hmm. But more importantly, it's about um, a boy... Um, from the West Country, near Bristol, where I trained, actually, in drama school, who has a very close relationship with a horse. Not in a sexual way. That sounds weird, isn't it? Like, <laughs> Thank you for clarifying <laughs> that, yeah. He uh, likes his horse, you know? It's quite nice yeah. to like his horse. Um, and uh, the horse is conscripted to go to war in Germany, um, as they were. And the boy is too young to be uh, to be a soldier, uh, but actually lies about his age, which a lot of them did at the time, um, to go and fight. And it's about his journey trying to find his horse somewhere in France. And it's incredibly heart-wrenching and beautiful and wonderful. I know. It, it's it, uh, With the puppeteering as well, like the fact, you know, puppeteering just by yourself is tough enough, but having, you know, three, four people working one puppet together, it's almost like a dance. You know, they have to be completely in sync to make it fluid and uh, it's, yeah. it's fascinating to watch and it's so beautifully done and the designs of the puppets are just so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, there were, so there were quite a few puppets in the show and mm. the main two puppets were um, the horse, Joey, who was the boy's horse who goes out to, off to war um, and then Topthorn, who is uh, another horse, who was my horse, which I was quite happy about. So I got to, I got to ride a horse. <laughs> wow. Um, so, uh, you know, so I, I got to get my acting chops on and, uh, and be all posh on a horse. I don't, if you've seen the film, I played the Benedict Cumberbatch part, basically. Yes, yes. Wow. Captain Stewart. And, uh, and the great thing about him is he's a complete asshole, um, uh, and, and sort of sees the light and becomes a bit of a nice guy. Well, not a nice guy, but like, you're kind of rooting for him. Right. Towards the end of his journey, which is great, you know, um. And in a, in a show of, of 60 characters, it's quite nice to be able to have an arc. You know, it's quite rare sure. <laughs> to mm -hmm. get an arc for a character. So, so it's quite a nice part to play that. Um, but yeah, he's, a, he's an asshole, which is always good to play. And I, I mentioned it earlier during one of the, the chaos breaks, but uh, Noises <laughs> Off, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. Which is quite noises uh, off a chaos break. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The noises were off when we we talked about it. But uh, it's one of my favorite shows of all time, and the fact that you were a part of that show makes me kind of kind of theater geek out a little bit. So, right. No, I don't, it is. Mike. I don't know if you've ever seen that one, but I have not. You no. Noises off is also they they made a film 
with one of the most amazing comedic casts you will ever find in any type of movie. John Ritter, Carol Burnett, uh, Michael Caine, um, Christopher Reeve. I mean, it's the cast is unbelievable, and it's has the best comedic timing of any show. And that that's what noises off for me is in, is such a joy to watch is is because it's such a small cast that and they all have to be completely in sync and uh, the timing has to be perfect. And you played like three different parts, so I don't know how you would you put that in your head. <laughs> well, okay, so um, so I first came to Noises Off when I saw the film, which is an American film. Yes. Um, and uh, when I was, it, it, so it's the uh, the play itself is set in England, and it is a tour of England. It's about mm-hmm. a play that does a tour of England. So, and the play goes horribly wrong, and the actors all hate <laughs> each other, and the the director wants to kill everybody, and it's it's, it's very funny. Um. But when the the film was made in America, they set the tour in America, which makes sense. Um, right. But the last the last stop on the tour was a, a theater in Miami. And when I was in Miami last, <laughs> I went and um, I went and hunted it out and like saw the stage <gasps> door. Did you really? Um, oh, yeah, that's so funny. It was quite cool, and it was actually I was there in Miami on the break between doing the old Vic run of Noises Off and the West End uh-huh. run of Noises Off. We had like a a month break to go and recuperate and like lay down a bit. Um, and I went to Miami to do it and found that stage door, which was kind of cool. Um, I must say at this point though, that um, when I was working on noises off, I was understudying. I was right. on stage. But you, but you were understudying, if I read it correctly, three different roles, which means yeah. your brain must hurt. <laughs> Absolutely. I think if you can understudy that show, you can understudy anything. Um, ah, I mean, I believe it. It's all doors, bags, and sardines. I think that's even what the director says in the show. Um, it's all about the sardines. Yeah, I wanted that rhythms, rhythms. Yeah, and yeah. not talking while you slam a door, which happens right. a lot. Oh, <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> being, uh, being with a theater company and, and touring like that is it is it luxurious or is it really exhausting? Well, we um we didn't actually tour with that show. Um, we were in it general. Was about a yeah. that, it was about a toe that short, uh, show that toured. A toe that short. Yeah. Sounds like a, <laughs> a beautiful song. The toe that short. Yes. Um, yeah. No. So we didn't tour with that, but I have toured a lot. Um, yeah. I did. A, I did an international tour with um, the National Theatre. We did um, One Man Two Governors. Mm. We went to Australia and New Zealand and Hong Kong, and it was it was fantastic. And yeah, we were. We were treated really nicely, actually. Don't know if that's got something to do with the National Theatre. They they tend to have a bit of a reputation, so maybe you don't cross them, you know. <laughs> I was about <laughs> to say I I travel all over, and I and I'm definitely not royalty. Yeah. <laughs> with, 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 when, when our band tours, we do, we have we sometimes have to slum it, but I'll just have to join. I'll just yes. have to join your company. My wife and I go to Seattle often. It's her hometown, and and we went a while, quite a while ago, and we got tickets for the producers, and oh, um, which was really cool and yeah. great seats, and it was just amazing. And then the next morning, we wake up at the hotel we're at, and it's the entire cast. They actually were staying at our hotel, <laughs> All right. so that was kind of yeah. cool, you know, to they see do. everybody. If you're if you're touring with a big show like that, um, you do you take over a hotel? Oh yeah, you're living in. So yeah, I don't know. Is that a good thing to be an audience member and wake up in the morning and there's the, all the all the cast? Or? It it was very guess, surreal because you were telling folks, you know, hey, great job. And they're like, thank you. You know, they're half awake. You know, <laughs> but you get to see. I guess they can be they can be quite rowdy after the show. Well, yeah, and but you get to see the the backside what they're doing when they're not on stage. The the, the whole culture, you know, with the iP- everybody's got their mm-hmm. iPod on or they're on their phone or they're eating cereal or or making waffles or what have you. They're real. Very unglamorous. They're real people. Yeah, they're enjoying the real people. They're enjoying the you know the Windham Continental Breakfast, you know, and but it was uh really kind of cool. Let me stop yeah. down for just one second. This is conversations. Sorry about the mishaps tonight, but we are back live and we're talking to uh, Mark Jackson from the Orville, which we're going to get into in just a second. My co-host is Bonnie Gordon. How are you liking Los Angeles by the way? I do like Los Angeles a lot. Uh, it's very different from London, which is probably why it's quite nice to uh, <laughs> oscillate between the two of them. You know, yeah, LA's LA's. I don't know. It's it's everything I expected it to be. Yeah, but also quite different. Um, it's very spread out, which yes. yeah. um, 
I mean, I only learned to drive last December, so I've only really? been driving for like oh, a year. Oh wow! You are a brave uh, soul. You're probably uh, you're probably still a better driver than most people out here. I assure you, it's I crazy. Must admit, there are some terrible drivers. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's bad. I'm still bad. I can't park. It's just something I can't. Oh do. yeah, can't. parallel. Park. L.A. Well, L.A. is a beast of a like city. Normal fitting in. Oh, there. normal. Park. Oh, okay. <laughs> I am. Awful at it. Every time I get out of the car, I'll take a photo of how skew if I am. I mean, like, I could spend half an hour like backing up and going back in, and very embarrassing. So you need that. You need That's that car true. that parks itself. Yeah. What? What's that? There's that a car there. There's one of them. I forgot which one it is, but it actually parks itself. You hit a button and it just maneuvers and wiggles in. Are you sure not? They're not a person driving. Oh no no no! This is all automatic. Okay. It's all sensors. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Well, that sounds cool. Um, yeah, so LA is very spread out, and um, being British, I have like a medieval brain, which means that I like wherever a sort of con- you know collection of humans live to have a mm-hmm. center, and then from the center you work your way out, and you can figure out where you mm-hmm. are, right? You know where where your place in the city is, what how you how you. Um, you know, how you interact with the city, you know, do you want to live a bit further out or do you want to be further in where the right. action's happening? And so LA doesn't have a center. I mean, it's got a geographical no. center, but it's probably it has a like motorway. 15 <laughs> centers. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I grew so, yeah. up, in, I grew up in San Francisco and, and came to LA in 1980. And, and it's, it's just so different, even though it's California, the, the culture and the environment and obviously topography, it's so different. So there is an adjustment, yeah. I can imagine, especially from England, you know. Yeah, and oh, I grew yeah. up in on a bayou, so bayou. it's a lot you different do. for me. Okay, on a bayou, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, you just take the dry ground there, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, you just you just hope it doesn't rain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's good not to have a choice. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, yeah. and what's what's odd is all this all the all the cemeteries are above ground. In New York, in Louisiana, yep. in, in Louisiana, so yeah. you so you get you get a good rain or flood there, and everything starts floating away. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. Oh, it sure does. Yeah. Every time, every time a hurricane hits, I'm just like, all right, what what bodies are we going to see floating by today? <laughs> it's very, it's very uh, morbid. Pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, very yeah, morbid. pretty gross. I mean, but, it kind of goes with all the voodoo stuff going on down there. Yeah, yeah it does. It's it's nice. Nice. I, I love Louisiana, man. It's it's a whole different world. So yeah. you so you came to it's LA. It's like LA, the other LA. You came to LA and you got your first manager. How did that go? Your first agent. Oh, I got a yes, I got an American agent. I have a British agent before that. Yeah, that went pretty. It was all quite smoothly actually. I mean, the the manager and the agent I ended up with um, had both contacted my English agent. Um, well, one of them before I got the part, which is a bit creepy. Yeah. I don't know how that works. But, um, <laughs> they obviously knew something we didn't. Um, and then the other one shortly after. And, I, you know, I mean, I think they're both great and I love them very much. And they're doing great stuff for me and they right. work really hard and they believe in me. But being a Brit, I was very skeptical. I was yeah. like, they haven't even seen my face in the flesh. And they're like, <laughs> we'd love to represent you, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's not the um, it's not the European way. It's quite yeah. strange. Um, in Europe, particularly uh, the UK, you you have to be seen performing by an agent for them to take you on. You know, it's, that's right. quite important. Um, <laughs> so uh, obviously, like I thought, that they, I thought they were all charlatans and sharks when I well, got here. <laughs> I was like, clearly these people aren't what I need. But and the thing is, there <laughs> there there are no bad British actors really. So they probably figured it was a you know a win win. I hate. I hate to burst that bubble, but there are a lot of <laughs> bad British actors. <Yeah. laughs> I, I even know a few of those. Yeah. Right, see, and you, you live in LA. Yeah, um, yeah no, there's plenty of bad British actors. But I think, you know, so what, what I like about LA, which is probably just an American thing anyway, is that there's a go get em attitude. There's a sort of, the, the optimism that we don't, I mean, we famously don't have in the UK. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. When I first got here, I, I admit it was a bit too much. I, I kind of was a bit overwhelmed by it. But it's it's actually very heartwarming. You know, this idea that we can do this. We can make this happen. This yeah. can happen. Yeah. Like you and me get together. We'll talk about it. We can we can have a go. Let's try it. Let's let's do it. 
Um, I mean, yes, and 90, 90% of the time it doesn't happen. But the point is, I do believe that generally people who show such optimism to me really believe in it. And yeah. um, that's what I didn't think when I first got here. I thought it was all faked and put on. But I, um, I think it's, it's, it's real and it's, it's very heartening. And I think a lot of Brits could do with a good uh, pinch of it in their own lives. So here you are now. You're playing an artificial intelligence and again, I'm trying to, to come to grips with that because the show's amazing. We haven't actually talked about the show at all. We're going to well, we're we're going to segue in yeah, now because should... both Bonnie and myself are both huge fans of the show. Tell me about the audition. How did you get word about this part? Well, it, it just came through like any other audition comes through um, back in the back in London uh, through my agent. You know, they call you up and go. Um, actually, she 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 did come called up and said, um, "Mark, I have a really nice audition for you," <laughs> um, and said, "I don't know. You, you, I was actually sitting in a, in a pub waiting for um, my partner to come. We we're going to have a drink together. Yeah, and uh, I was a bit fed up. I don't know. I think I'd had a few um, <laughs> near misses. Ah. I was kind of doing that actor thing where you kind of go, "What am I doing?" Like, oh, we all do this in some other way in my life. <laughs> you know? It's the shame spiral. We all go through the shame spiral. Yeah, exactly. Shame yeah. spiral. I was I was deep in the shame spiral, having mm. a beer, <laughs> waiting for my partner, and uh, my agent calls and says, "Oh, nice audition." So sci-fi, Seth MacFarlane, wow, playing an alien, living in LA for a bit, <laughs> and yeah. I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, and, you know, send through the scripts. Great. Lovely. But, you know, I mean, I literally thought, well, this is one of the kind of most fun auditions I've ever been sent through. But clearly it's not going to go my way. I mean, this is going to someone who, I don't know, has proved themselves in various ways or has, I don't know, got connections or, you know, it's what an actor thinks. There's always someone who is definitely better for the part than they are. Um, so I, I went along and did the audition and I must admit I worked hard at it because I kind of thought, well, this, this isn't going to happen again very soon. So, um, and yeah, I, I went and did the audition in the, uh, the cast and director's house. So Sophie Holland, uh, mm -hmm. cast it in the UK. And, uh, what, what was nice is that she'd been working with, uh, another casting director and it was her first solo outing uh, as a, ca a casting director by herself. So. So it was great that I actually got the part with her, uh, which was very nice. But because she'd just gone out mm -hmm. by herself, it was in her flat, um, which was just down the road from me in London. So it was very unglamorous. And her <laughs> boyfriend was <laughs> <laughs> um, And the tapes were sent off. And obviously, I just thought, well, that was fun. What a nice experience. Back to the spiral of shame. What did you say? Shame spiral? This yeah. Shame, yeah, the shame yeah. spiral. Yeah. And... This is uh, well, and, and quite quickly, um, in about 24 hours, um, uh, it came back to my agent that Seth had, Seth McFarlane had seen my tape and really liked it and wanted more information, um, which was just so mind-blowingly weird in itself, obviously. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so that was very exciting. So we knew that there was something going on pretty quickly. It took yeah. six weeks for the part to be offered. <laughs> oh wow! Um, wow, yeah, yeah. So that was a roller coaster. It, it, Seth MacFarlane, by the way, is just a genius. He's just a hilarious guy, very entertaining. And I mean, he, this is his creation, and I'm not sure what inspired him, but what he, <laughs> what he's put together is—I mean, it's just amazing. You went ahead and auditioned, and did you have an idea that you'd be wearing an outfit? Yeah, I knew it. I knew it was going to be sort of heavily. Um, alienified, AI-ified, you know, however you want to say it. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I knew that. And I thought, you know, it's not something I would have normally gone for, definitely. I mean, um, like most actors, I quite enjoy acting with my face. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> right, you know. So, yeah, so it was, it was a weird one, definitely. But, I mean, the, the crazy plus points, like, were so strong, and the challenge of it was so appealing Sure. I have a, I have a, I have a question about the process about it. So, because obviously, when you're um, on set, 
playing Isaac, you you saying your lines would not come through as it would as everyone else. So do you record the dialogue beforehand and they play it back as you're acting it out or vice versa? Like, are you saying the lines inside your, your helmet and then going back and re-recording it in the studio? I've always wondered that. Yeah, so I... Um... So uh, quite early on, Seth was very keen on having me do everything live, um, very much like he likened it to when he did Ted. Sure. So he did the voice, the voice for Ted, the teddy bear in Ted. <laughs> I was just saying Ted. Sounds a bit weird. Um, and uh, yeah, but he was very insistent on being there live when he was talking to like Mark Wahlberg. Um, so right. that they had the spontaneity of all the shots and stuff. So, so yeah, no, I do. Um, I learn all the lines and I do them live wow. in the suit. Um, there is a there's a microphone in there that picks everything up for editing purposes. Um, and then yes, I do everything ADR afterwards. Just well, just to I mean, we 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 originally intended that it would be recorded live. Um, mm. But I think the we just couldn't get it right. We couldn't get the the sound right in there. I mean, the echo the echo in the helmet is quite intense, and then right. to dampen it, you have to put a lot of material in there, which obviously reduces the space. So it was kind of this sort of it's yeah, it didn't quite work. And then um, so yes, yeah, so I've ADR'd everything, and it's wonderful. I you know I go up to Seth's house in Beverly oh, wow. Hills where he has his own private uh, recording studio and what we about? and we bash it out sort of every other Sunday and it's it's wonderful it's it's a really nice session because we really get to work close together and uh, and then after that he does all his American Dad and Family Guy <laughs> which is quite weird oh wow that's <laughs> wonderful that's awesome yeah and it's I think it's quite nice I mean I yeah I I think it's, it's, originally I would have really wanted to do it all live as that sort of spontaneity that you know to get that sort of moment you know, speaking right. in the moment kind of action. But um, in retrospect now, it, it it's wonderful to be given the opportunity to actually get it spot on. In a right. Studio. And as a, as a voiceover artist, you must know that. Yeah, but, yeah. well, I, I was actually going to ask you about that. Like, because um, you have such a nice and distinct voice, like, have you been doing more voiceover work or are you planning on doing... Uh, you know, wanting to get into animation or, I mean, you're, you're friends with Seth. It, it shouldn't be, you know, I'm sure he'll want to, I'm sure he'll want to pull you in for something too. I'm pretty sure he only gets Americans to play, to play British people on. Oh, that makes sense. His <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Because, yeah. Um, I, uh, I do, I'm, I've got a voiceover agent here, which is great. Um, uh, weirdly, in America, you audition for voiceovers. Where in the yes. in in the UK, you you don't audition for voiceovers. Huh. It's quite a strange. Uh, you kind of in the UK, what happens is you get a call from your voiceover agents, and they say, uh, "Can you do next Friday?" And you go, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> and then it's kind of like down to two or three of you, and then they just pick who they want. Um, wow. Which is quite nice. You don't have you don't have yeah. to do the audition stuff. But so I've been um, I've been doing the American way here. Um, which has been which has been great and a real eye opener and learning things. Um, yeah, I, I do. I really enjoy doing voiceovers and using my voice. I think it's kind of, it, in a way, it's a bit like playing Isaac. It's nice to sort of get your face out of the equation for a bit. Yeah, just, it's nice. Yeah. You can show up in pajamas, and no one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. sitting here in my underpants right now. So. The, oh, wonderful! Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, me too. We wanted to know me that. too, there you man. Go. Are we I'm, all in our underwear? I'm fully yeah, we dressed. We are. I'm fully dressed here. We're we're kind of refined here in Santa Clarita, but I digress. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, the show, uh, the Orville, of course, that's on Fox on Thursday nights at nine. It's uh, almost out of prime that's time. Because the sh- well, it, it'll 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 live on. Trust me. We're pr- we're, <laughs> okay. pr- we're praying for season two. Season two is happening. Oh, it's it's yeah. happening. Yeah, they already yeah, they already outstanding, have outstanding, great. The, the oh yeah, Seth really took a a a very unique uh, approach to this. A lot of practical sets besides the CGI, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, we have. Uh, they they literally built starships for us. It's, it's pretty damn cool. Yeah. Um, 
And it was uh, very special walking onto it for the first time. Uh, yeah, they've built they've, these huge hangars on the Fox Studio in Century, uh, Century City. And they, um, yeah, they've built, they've built the main bridge and most of the quarters and the science lab and the... Um, yeah, so that's all on one, and then engineering is on another with the, the shuttle bay, and it's really quite impressive. They had to dig down twenty feet into the foundations of the uh, jeez, uh, yeah, the the hangars to actually uh, build this double height set. Um, it's very impressive. So when you I'm first like, when you first walked in, was there a wow moment? Like, oh my god! Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I expect it would be so difficult and such a pain in the ass to get rid of it all that they're going to have to do a second series. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, we put so much in the set. <laughs> right. Just so they don't have to think about it. You know? Um, yeah. When I, when I first walked onto the set, it was, yeah, it was like, it's like being a 10 year old boy. I've yeah. said that before in lots of interviews, mm. but I kind of, it, it's, it was like that when I was very beautiful childhood moments or childish moments. I think you get it a lot when you're watching theatre, you know. Um yeah. I saw um I saw King Kong in Melbourne when I was touring there. And it's ah. not I think it's coming to Vegas or maybe Broadway or something. Oh wow. And they have this um thirty five, forty foot puppet Jeez. on stage and the first moment it comes on I just sort of I felt like a child. I was I was giddy, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I think that same moment, um came to me when I, I walked on the set of of the Orville and it's just so special I, I've always loved that about sets particularly theatre sets um, any kind of sets is that someone cares enough about a story to create you know create a set for real create the actual world of it in real world space in our drab <laughs> drab real existence to create this sort of magical world I just think it's so special there are models of the Orville as well that are actually they they shoot around, which I think is I mean, just amazing. So we're kind they of they did, you know. So this is taking it back to the old school Star Trek days. Yeah, yeah, no, the old school Star Trek, absolutely. And and you know, I'm a big fan of Blade Runner, and I believe that was one of the last films to use models like that as well. Um, you know, I mean, I'm just just um, really, I really love the fact that Seth, and that's all Seth. You know, he wanted that. And he wanted everything to be underscored by a sixty-piece orchestra, which he's <laughs> which he's done. Um, which you know, I think I don't think most TV shows do that. They don't. No, they don't. Um, it's really special uh, that he's he wants those touches. Give it class, you know. Definitely. I know it's a comedy, and I know it's sort of got that sort of McFarlane comedy undercutting kind of element to it, but it's got real class, and I think. That's what makes this show so special. It could have been a kind of cheap thing, but he didn't want it to be. We're going to wind um, down here real quick here, but I want to talk about the suit. So tell me about the suit. That It looks amazing. And you can see through that helmet, I understand. I can. I can see out of it, but uh, you can't see in it, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, it's, it's magic. Sort of it's, it, it's magic, yes. Let's, <laughs> let's just say it's magic. Um, I believe... One of your bosses at the Magic Theater might have. I don't, are you are you still working there? You're not yes, still working. I am. You, yeah, oh. I, I do. I do uh, more performing and whatnot you there do? now. Really? So, yeah, so I'm cool. a magical I being. I really want to come and see you. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's an amazing place. So my helmet was made at the at the Magic Castle in in Hollywood. Um, really. All, all by NASA. I don't know. I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> Maybe a magician, a magician who works for NASA. We'll go with that. They're all magicians who work for NASA. Right? And it's very Amazing. true. They're science magicians. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they sent a probe into the, the storm on Jupiter recently or something. Mm. I don't know. Have you been watching this on the news today? Yeah. Like, yeah. So cool. What and it, then um, they made the probe disappear. Yes. <laughs> Surprisingly easy to do on the surface of, of Jupiter. Um, yeah, no, so the helmet's very clever. It's obviously, it's got loads of gubbins in it. So it, it, it clips together. It's in two halves. It clips together with magnets, which is really special. Um, partly because Anthony Williams, that's right. Or Anthony Andrews, <laughs> who played okay. C3PO. You, you oh, know. yeah. Uh, yes. 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 Anthony. Andrews, no, it's Anthony. Um, oh, my God. 
My wife was in that movie too. So Anthony, uh, we'll look, look that up. Oh my god, I can't believe this I've... is the yes immensely embarrassing. I it's very. I read too much. My wife was in that movie. My wife, my wife played an Ewok in, in Jedi. She's of short. That's sta- so cool. She's right? of a short stature, so she worked with, with, uh, with Baker and all those guys. Anthony, oh, goodness gracious, go ahead, Bonnie. I'll... <laughs> I, 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 I Anthony am, uh, Daniels. Anthony, Anthony Daniels. Daniels. Thank you. I knew it was two You're names. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, it's embarrassing. Anyway, so um, it's totally fine. So Anthony Daniels, who's also a Brit, um, playing a uh, well, he played a robot. Obviously, Isaac's not a robot, but um, no. He uh, enjoyed. Yeah. So he did all the films, and it was only on like I think the last but one film that he got magnets in his helmet. He was bolted in right into that thing. Yeah. So. Isaac's helmet is on the cutting cutting edge of uh, sci-fi fa- uh, fashion. Nice. And, <laughs> but uh, the, the 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 magnets are very clever because they 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 pass an electrical current through them um, to connect a battery in the back half of the helmet to the lights and the fan and the microphone and everything else that's in the front half of the helmet. That's great. So it's very cool. And a it's great cool. and a great Halloween costume at the last minute too. <laughs> well, I didn't see any this Halloween, but I'm yeah. really looking forward to uh, to seeing some this well, next Halloween. I mean, for yourself, Ooh. you know, but it's like, hey, guys, I'm going to borrow the costume for the night, you know. <laughs> you <laughs> really think they'd let me leave? Uh, they wouldn't, thing. of course I mean, they wouldn't. No, no, there's no way. No. There's Anything no way. I've ever seen or touched or, I don't know, it's probably worth more than me. They probably, they'd probably rather lose me than the helmet. Cause they'd be <laughs> now, is, is there just the one suit or do you have a backup? There are there are various suits. Okay. Um yeah, and the suit itself is made out of this amazing material that came from the woman who made the um, made the Spider-Man suit. I think oh, I think oh. it's all very cool um, and very very thin and very breathable, which is great. And then the armor is on top of that, and that's full of lights as well. So it's like I'm a bit like a Christmas tree. Um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Again, folks, it's Mark Jackson, also known as Science Officer Isaac. It shows the Orville. That's on Fox. It's on Thursdays. The fandom for the show is grown. Um, are you doing any like the fests or conventions or stuff? I'm hoping to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, uh, I'll talk to I'll talk to you about that because that's my territory. I do about twenty to thirty of them a year. <laughs> oh, great! Yeah. yeah, that's what I do. So give yeah, a, I had that fun. Give us your Twitter yeah, information. Your Twitter information, Mark. Right, so I'm one of those really annoying people who have different names for different things. So uh, Twitter is at Mark Jackson Acts. And then uh, Facebook okay. and Instagram are at the Mark Jackson, uh, which is what I should use for my Twitter. But there is some guy who's got it and he hasn't used his account for like a year and a half. And I'm thinking maybe <laughs> oh, I'm going to go and like, no. him or something. Don't you I hate that? I can employ right. someone to maybe like take him out. I don't know. How does it work? Yeah, just, just call him a fraud. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe the guilt will. Uh... I think he's probably real, but he's just yeah. got bored of Twitter. That's all. That's true. Uh, great show, Mark. I uh, look forward to seeing uh, season two of the Orville and other projects you're working on as well. Anything you want to talk about? Uh, again, I'd have to kill you. Okay. So. In, in, are you involved? In... It's all under NDA. NDA. Are you involved in any charities at all? Yeah, I'm a I'm I'm really getting involved with my friend's place here in LA. Um so yeah, I'm 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 a big fan of them. They they um they do a lot of good work for the the homeless youth of LA, which is really important particularly at this time of year. So Sure. If any of you guys want to get involved as well, go to their website and um yeah, send some good things their way, money preferably, but they also take clothes and and uh, and you know, lots of things, books, shoes. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And season's greetings, by the way. Christmas in L.A., or are you going to go home? I'm going home. Britain is under 12 inches of snow right now. So I'm really? not sure if I actually want to do that or not. But um, I'm going home either way. Yeah. That's great. Fantastic. Have a, have a Merry Christmas. You too. Mer- very Merry Christmas. Bonnie Gordon, thank you so much. Um, thank you yeah, for having internet me. Internet kind of went kind of wonky there, but we worked it out. And again, Bonnie, give me your contact information as well because, like, you do everything. Oh sure, uh, everyone can find me online at Bonnie Bell G, uh, as well as if you're interested in listening to my comedy parody band, go to at Library Bards. It's 
library cards, but with a B. And uh, you can find our new music video that we just released two hours ago. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Keeping busy. What's that? I want to see this. I want to watch. Oh yeah, it's a it's a, a song that we wrote that is shipping Finn and Poe from Force Awakens. We want them to be together. Yeah. Right. Oh, <laughs> I love that. I'm gonna check it out. Very cool. Guys, thank you so much. We are back on January 9th with Ken Stacy from Ambrosia. Have a great Christmas and a happy New Year. This is Conversations. So long. Mm-hmm.